Welcome to It's Who You Know, the podcast, bridging the gap between Jewish leaders and those who follow them. Gain insight from Jewish professionals who make the decisions that influence your Jewish world. This is It's Who You Know, the podcast with your host, Michelle W. Malkin. My guest today is Jen Simple, who works at the UJA Federation of New York as the Manager of Dissemination and Implementation for the Impact and Performance Assessment Department. She's been at UJA since 2008. Previous to that, she worked in a real estate attorney's office. She earned her MPA from Baruch with a Certificate in Impact Management. So I have Jen on the program here today because of her work with the Jewish Evaluation Network a topic that is very pertinent to every and any organization looking at evaluation and feedback. So I'm bringing her on the program today to discuss a little bit more about her work with that network. Welcome to the program, Jen. Hey, thank you for having me today, Michelle. So we're going to go ahead and get started as we always do with a little bit about yourself and how you got into this current position with the UJA Federation. I actually started working at UJA back in 2008, pretty much right out of college. I worked for a real estate attorney's office for a little bit and realized that my passion was in the Jewish world. And I started actually as a secretary at UJA way back then in a department called the Network Commission. And I was very passionate about the work of UJA, its mission, what it stood for, stands for, and knew I wanted to grow there. And so over the years, I've moved through different departments. I've moved up the quote-unquote chain. I love my position now. I get to work with almost every department at UJA and now with the network working with organizations all across the Jewish sector spectrum. It's been a long journey. It's been a fun journey. And I feel like we're just getting started. So other than secretary, what are some of the other positions you've held at UJA? I've been very fortunate. I've been able to work on a lot of the strategic projects that UJA has conducted. So I'm from the network commission. I was in government relations. Then I was in the impact and performance assessment, kind of working my way up to higher and higher positions. And even now, I would say, as manager of dissemination and implementation, what's wonderful about it is that it gives me a lot of room and the way to kind of create my own and pick or work on projects that are really moving the organization forward and actually, I believe, the whole field forward. And so... From the work in the Network Commission, I did a lot of planning work and government relations. I worked with a lot of the national organizations, different committee work. And then about three years ago, I came to IPAD, or the Impact and Performance Assessment Department. One of the most recent projects that I've had a lot of fun with was the assessment of the American Joint Distribution, JDC, and the Jewish Agency for Israel, Jaffe. I projects managed that work in that area. So was this a new position that was created or was this always a position that they had in this iPad department? So our whole department actually was created a couple of years ago. We had, UJA had conducted a strategic planning project with Bridgeban. It's a consulting group. And so out of that huge, I believe it was like a two-year endeavor, and one of the recommendations was to form an impact assessment department. And Judy Samuels, she has a PhD, came from the quote-unquote real world outside of the Jewish sector and has brought immense knowledge, immense rigor to UJA and to the field. And so I was very blessed to be asked to join the department and join the team. We have a fabulous team of colleagues. Jennifer Rosenberg is the director of research and Alex Fabeshko is the manager of grants management. And so the three of us 
We have a much larger team now, but we were really the core that kind of grew UJ. And it's just been amazing to see within the past two, three years, the culture change we've created within the organization, really shifting to outcomes measurement really bringing in technology to improve how UJA measures things, thinks about things, gives grants, assesses agencies or organizations. We've done so much in three years. Do other federations have this kind of department? Are they thinking about this kind of stuff as a part of their organizational structure? So it's across the gamut. Some larger federations do. UJA is very fortunate that we do have the resources to have a department like this. That's actually how the Jewish Evaluation Network was formed. It was actually formed in an ad hoc manner because a lot of organizations don't have this type of department and don't have this type of staffing and resource that, especially Judy's expertise, doesn't really exist. Or it hadn't really existed, I should say. It's changed a lot. But the federations more and more are starting to move in this direction. It seems like as a priority, you know, it seems like this is the kind of stuff that you write a program, you do the evaluation and the follow-up and the surveys and that kind of stuff. So to have a separate team that focuses on that stuff seems like you'd have more cohesion across all the different departments. Exactly. So yes, there was definitely research and evaluation going on, but it was never across organizationally mm-hmm. and also to the rigor. That was one of the major issues we found throughout. I don't even want to say federation system because within the Jewish Evaluation Network, we have organizations really from around the world. We have academics, we have uh, philanthropies, funders. It's incredible, actually, the types of people from all different levels of positions and organizations, the backgrounds, the global reach. And so the Jewish Evaluation Network was essentially founded because people kind of kept calling us and saying, what are you doing? We want to learn from you. And so we hosted a call and it was it started with about 20 people and then it grew. We did a meetup after the GA two years ago now. We thought we'd have maybe 20, 30 people. We had standing room over 80 people after the GA was over, so people stayed. We have over 200 members now. And one of the things, too, that, yes, there is evaluation going on, but we also want to bring it to the rigor of other sectors outside of the Jewish world. It's one thing to just do a survey, but you want to make sure the measures are tested. You want to make sure it's reliable, that it's valid. Anyone can make up a question. But if you really want to have the question answer to know something about a program or a grant that can actually inform planning or allocation decisions, you have to make sure that actually has a rigor behind it. So we're really trying to elevate this type of thinking across Jewish organizations as a whole. Awesome. I mean, I would love to get a little more into the network itself, but I want to ask just because your title is so interesting. It seems from your title that you are the one that takes this research and goes to the employees of whom it impacts and helps them implement this actual thing. That seems like the hardest part of your team or this particular department, helping people change based on the data, what was collected, all that kind of stuff. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what that part of your job is and how it means to interact with others when you're trying to bring about change or evaluation and that kind of stuff. One of the joys that I really love about the job is that I can speak more about focusing internally at UJI is we've really been trying to create a culture change on really shifting towards outcomes measurement from output. And output essentially is, you know, numbers served. You can kind of equivalent to achieving your objectives, but outcomes are more achieving about your goals. And we've been really trying to implement SMART goals, simple, measurable, attainable, We've been trying to get people to be much more clear and articulate on goals. 
we found that often, especially because we do have donors, that we write language that is very lofty. It's like this grandiose thing that we're trying to achieve to make the world better. And that's all great, but it's the end of the day, what are you really trying to do? What do you want to achieve? Why are you giving this money? Why is this program in existence? What is the change that you want to see on individuals or organizations, institutions, communities, neighborhoods, that because of the grant or because of you, there will be some change in how these things interact, whether it's a change in attitudes, a change in behavior, it's a change in knowledge, it's a change in access, whatever that change is, being able to one, articulate what the change is, and then two, being able to know, did that change occur? And three, the other important thing is, did that change matter? Oftentimes we find that funders want to make a change in a community that might not even necessarily be needed. We come from a different perspective. So really understanding what the needs are first and then being able to fund something that's going to actually have an impact, measure it effectively, and then be able to say, yes, this is good. Or, you know, this strategy, we've been doing this. This could be tweaked a little bit. Let's see if instead of doing this program in this way, maybe we need to hire a different type of person for this job. Or maybe we need to rethink, maybe it should be more grassroots. Whatever your strategy is, you may have to change it a little bit so you can actually start to see if there's an actual impact on the target population that you're working with. So it sounds like from what you're saying, most people consider evaluation as a post thing, right? You do a post survey, you talk to people after the fact of a program. And what I'm hearing from you is it's a very holistic approach that you guys are taking as far as not only is evaluation informing the back end of something, but also why and how on the front end of program development. A hundred percent, because in order to do an evaluation, the only reason why you'd want to collect data is to either inform planning, inform decision-making, or inform allocation. And so when you're thinking through of a program, you need to start first with your goals. You need to start with planning. Who is your target population? Being as specific as you possibly can. Maybe it's an age cohort you're trying to target. You're not trying to necessarily target all of New York, but you're maybe targeting a borough, maybe targeting people with uh, certain disabilities. Whoever your target population, mm-hmm. the more narrow or down you can get and thinking in the beginning, then you can say, okay, then what kind of strategies can we implement that will, one, really affect these people, and then two, what is the change we want to see? So we have something called the logic model that we've been working with throughout the valuation world. But we've really been trying to get at least internally staffed to complete logic models from the whole planning to evaluation to allocation as a whole cycle in the grants making and planning function at UJA. And so the first thing we always tell staff is, what are your goals? What are you trying to do? Before you just give out money, before you evaluate something, Mm -hmm. you have to know what you even want to evaluate. And you have to, the only way to do that is if you do it on the front end of your planning before you go out there. You've been listening to It's Who You Know, the podcast. I'm your host, Michelle W. Malkin. This episode has been made possible through the partnership with the Jewish Theological Seminary. JTS offers a variety of professional graduate programs, including the Davidson School of Jewish Education's online MA, where you can earn your master's degree in Jewish education online. To learn more, visit www. Dot jtsa.edu slash admissions. It's Who You Know is working hard to craft our episodes for the 2018 series. Many of our guests will include what I'll call millennial organizations, not just those that serve millennial populations, 
but those created post-2000 and how they have shaped our community over the past 18 years. In addition, I will be continuing to explore some topical themes, such as branding and talent management, strategic planning, the role of executive leadership in our field, and much more. I hope you will join us for those conversations as we move forward with this project. But for now, back to my interview with Jen. Now I want to get back to a little more of the human side. Change is always hard. We talked a little bit about this on our program. It's not easy to, and maybe it's easier when you come with data and say, hey, look, the numbers show this, so let's you know, try and change this. Or even just saying, you know, now we have this new planning document that we're going to start using. A lot of times, especially if people have been doing their work for a long time, there's a little bit of pushback on that or not really understanding the value. Or has that not been the case? Have you just you had open arms and open hearts and open minds? <laughs> it's been fabulous. So UGA was at a point in time where staff, lay leadership, everyone was really ready for the change. So it made our work a lot easier. But we've always, always done the approach of we're a resource to departments, we're resources to staff or resources to grantees. We never impose our work at all on anyone. We just say, you know, here's a way. This is, you know, how we recommend. We can help you think things a little bit more clearly, think through the whole plan, you know, from planning to evaluation. And because we've never been forceful, which I think has been really key, because oftentimes when you have these type of departments that are created, it can be threatening to your colleagues. And so one of our sole purposes, especially when the whole department was created, was to really make sure that we were always working together with everyone, bringing them along. And it was never us top down. And because of that, we've been able to really move the culture change. I would say pretty quickly. It's only been two years. But we've really changed on how we make decisions. We've changed how we collect data. We've changed on the type of data we collect. We've really been trying to improve our relationship with grantees as well and not having them right in the past, you know, they would have to provide tons of paperwork, multiple departments, and we've really been trying to streamline, make things more efficient, more effective, so that we only collect what's necessary for decision making. So it's been a positive both internally and then with the organizations we work with. And don't get me wrong, we still have a long way to go, but we've yeah. definitely been making strides. And the approach that we've taken of this, we're here to help, not we're here to dictate how you should do your work, I think is what made it so successful. Yeah, this sounds amazing because it feels like in most organizations when there is any kind of evaluation or debrief, right, sometimes those changes come from your supervisor or your boss or your leadership that's like, well, clearly we need to do this. Clearly we need to do that. And I think sometimes there's pushback from the staff and they're like, well, I don't feel that same way, but here you kind of de-duped, if you will, or you've taken apart that role to you know somebody who's impartial. So you're not these people's boss. You're not kind of in charge of things. You're there to provide that information and suggestions and kind of let that department kind of figure that out among themselves, which I think is a really fantastic and interesting model to be effective with this. And that has to be credited to Judy Samuel. She's the managing director of our department. She's done a phenomenal job of working uh, across the organization and the rest of iPad team. Everyone has really always tries to go above and beyond to try to help uh, their colleagues. So let's shift the focus a little bit more to the network itself, the Jewish Evaluation Network. What kind of organizations are members? You mentioned how many? We have over 200 members. Some are federations, some are organizations, some are locals, some are global institutions. 
Uh, we have academics, we have consultants, we have researchers and evaluators. We have different levels. We have executive directors to line staff. It's really anyone who's interested in research or evaluation and improving the rigor of it in the Jewish communal sector. Our role we see as really as a convener, there's so much content out there. We really want to curate it, bring it, and also provide content at a high caliber so that we can really help other organizations, other institutions, other thought partners really kind of work together to improve it across that, you know, as great as the work as UJA is doing, there's so many other organizations that are also thinking about the same problems, the same issues. We're really trying to work with organizations to tackle sector-wide issues. And because we have this network, we now have a platform to actually do that. But typically, other institutions will work very siloed. We're getting even within organizations themselves, between departments, but we're talking as a field of Jewish organizations working in silos. And now we're really trying to bring people together and start to think a little bit differently of how, as a Jewish world, can we start to improve and start to achieve maybe some common outcomes. Yeah, that's great. You clearly hit a nerve in the needs of the community with, you know, two years and 200 partners in this endeavor. And as you mentioned, the session that you had at the GA. And so I'd love to hear a little bit, what are you hearing from these organizations? What's the biggest challenge? Like, Why are they coming to you and to this network? And what are they hoping to get out of the collaboration? It depends by organization. Some of the organizations are very small and need a lot of the resources. Others are large and just I like to pose questions to think things through with colleagues of a higher caliber that they may not have access to because even if other organizations have a department like ours, like iPad, they're usually much more smaller staffed. And to actually have others in the field, maybe outside that they can just think things through has been a very valuable tool. Also, the culture change pieces, I know have been important for a lot of organizations that have this type of department or have been thinking about this measurement, but to get all their other staff to think about it, this is kind of innate to some people, but to others it's foreign. Mm -hmm. And to bring them along the way as we start to make this transition. And then there's always issues like data visualizations, like more specific topics that people are interested in and learning more about and getting access to others who have a lot more knowledge than they do Mm -hmm. of different topics and areas of interest. Right. We are the Jewish community after all, and community is always a big part of how we like to operate together and in networks and, and schmoozing and sharing. But we also want it to be productive, too. We want it to have a real purpose and really provide value to really anyone we can. And it also, I should clarify, it's never of the opinion of what we do is the only way and the right way or the best way. We just, you know, especially when working with other organizations, this is just the way we've done it. This is just how it works. If you'd like to do it this way, we can help you. But there are other ways. And if your work for your organization, if there's a better way, you know, if you want to move to outcomes measurement or you need different tools and tools that we use may not work for your organization, that's great. Just make sure whatever you're doing, one, you want to make sure you get buy-in within your organization. And two, that whatever tools you are using is actually producing a result that is of rigor and not just having everyone in your organization just start developing surveys because that's not productive either. Right. So is that what people are doing wrong? Like, what is it that you're seeing that you're like, gosh, everyone seems to be doing this one thing and it just doesn't seem to be working or doesn't seem to be effective. Is there some commonality in kind of what we're doing wrong (laughs) when it comes to evaluation? No, no, I I don't think there is anything one thing wrong. I think 
I think every organization has their own issues, whether it's, you know, it could be collecting too much data, the wrong data, I'm not sure what data collect. I think one thing I've seen, I can't make this statement across the board, but I've just seen it in a few instances, so it's coming to the top of my head. But really the goal setting of being very clear of what the purpose of the funds are and the real change, not just how many people you want to see serve, not the outputs, but real outcome measures that you really want to look at. And then being able to come up with a plan on how you're going to be able to tell if that change occurred. Right. It's hard because it feels like that's what lay leaders and funders want, right? They want those hard and fast numbers. And sometimes it's more about quality than it is about quantity. And then how do you communicate that to the donors? We always joke that, you know, let's say you want a Jewish engagement, you want a hundred people to come. Well, we could hire an ice cream truck to come right. downstairs, <laughs> you'll get a hundred Jews yeah. <laughs> there, but so what? <laughs> I can right. easily get a hundred Jews together in two seconds or a hundred anybody together. Yeah. But again, it's to what end? So what? So they come, they get some ice cream. What were you trying to achieve with that? Did you right. build a community? Probably not. You know, if, if that was your goal, but thinking clearly of really what your goal is and then what strategies to get to that goal. That's a very fantastic point. I was talking in one of my previous interviews with Miriam Chilton from URJ's youth and talking about, well, you could get all these kids together for a weekend retreat where they party and they eat food and hang out. And what is the meaning and purpose to that versus how they are able to create programming or environment that really digs deep into teens' identity and that kind of stuff. So like you said, you can have an ice cream truck or you can have really fun party to bring Jews together, but unless there's some kind of substance behind that, it falls pretty flat. That and also knowing that what is the change? Like maybe you just want them to be happy for 10 minutes and then you've achieved that goal, which mm -hmm. is great. But chances are that's probably not the change you want to see. But again, you may want to change in a behavior that they do something differently than they didn't do before or a change in attitude or a change in perception or a change in knowledge. But being very clear on what that change is, how realistic is it based on the program you can do? That's another thing we've seen, you know, you may have $50,000 that you want to create a whole community and you know, maybe with $50,000, that's not enough money. You know, you may need to do something longer or maybe your goal is maybe to target deeper roots versus the scope of people. And that's fine, but being clear and articulate that you know, for this, you want to really change a person's thought process or how they view themselves. And maybe you, with the money you have, you decide that it's more important, like, let's go deeper and let's maybe really target 10 people and have more meaning versus targeting 100 people and have less meaning. And either way is great, but being clear on the front end and up front of really what are you trying to do, who are you trying to target? And again, I always go back, what is the change you want to see because you exist? You mm -hmm. can't really answer that question. Your money is just going out the door for nothing. Right. Uh, you may have a great impact, but then you won't even know what the impact you have. Yeah. And chances are, too, then the strategies you're using can't be optimized to the most effective use because there could be a better way to do it or an easier way to do it. Once you actually see whether or not your goal is being achieved, you'll notice maybe the, this little thing is having the most impact and helping you achieve your goals most effectively versus another strategy. What it seems like is that this also takes time, right? Because it's really easy to put together an evaluation for the conference you had with, you know, one through five on this workshop and comments and one through five on that work. Like it's so <laughs> standard, right? The way that we do evaluation and to say to somebody, we're not going to do that, right? We're not going to say 50% of respondents of the, you know, 
10% you actually got to answer the survey in the first place, right? You know, said it was an excellent workshop. Well, you know, as you just mentioned, what if you called 10 people or five people or four people that went to that workshop and talked with them a little bit more about why? Like, why was that a good workshop? What did you really get out of it? And presenting sort of data. But that's harder, right? That, that takes well, time and energy to do more actual deep quality thinking about what you do as opposed to setting a survey out and then you have everything and you report on it and done, right? There is a difference between qualitative and quantitative data. So kind of what you're leaning towards more is qualitative data, which we're not necessarily doing more of because qualitative data, is, it's then hard to make real decisions out of. We typically have always done qualitative data. Now we want more quantitative. But to your point, the program could be excellent. But again, so what? What does that mean? What was the goal of the program to begin with? Was it just to have an excellent program? That may have been one of your goals, but chances are maybe you wanted participants because of your program now to maybe start to create a community or hang out with others from the program outside of it. So if you're mm -hmm. trying to create community, you're providing that space for them to convene. But to really know that the program was successful is if this groups of people who participate then maybe go out for coffee afterwards. Because now right. they're creating a community on their own. And that may have been your real goal. So then you would ask them, how often do you see people outside of the event? How often have you gotten together? Thinking of it a little bit differently in that sense. So again, it's not just having a great program but for a specific purpose, or maybe that they learn something and ask something in their life. Mm -hmm. So then you would ask them questions about, you know, maybe have you participated in any other programs that are similar? Have you continued your education or have you changed something in your life that you're now doing that you wouldn't have done before because you went on this program? Mm -hmm. Or do you network with other types of people now more, have more friends, things like that. It's getting to the still asking quantitative data, like you know, using scales and things like that, but targeting it to see if something's different. So let's turn a little bit to, you know, what advice do you have for Jewish professionals out there writing programs, trying to evaluate them? What advice do you have for how they can do that? My biggest advice to people, especially more younger professionals when they're starting out, is to really always take the initiative and go beyond what their role is. Like, always be humble in your role, but don't just think of it as a job. I mean, you're working, you know, everyone knows Jewish professionals don't make a ton of money. It's not like you're in it for that. The benefits may be good, but the work that you do is for such a bigger purpose and being clear on what that purpose means to you and whatever that looks like. So that every day when you go to work, you can look at it as a blessing that you get to do something that hopefully will change the future of Jewish generations down the road. Mm -hmm. And I think if you have that lens, it doesn't become work anymore. It really becomes a passion and a part of you and who you are. And I think that finding that blend between the personal and the professional life is just so important. And also, I think will also help you kind of get ahead. Yeah, I think we have a tendency to have very big blinders on as far as like, this is my job or my department or my thing, instead of kind of internalizing everything about the organization saying, I am not my position, but I am my organization. And it's not so much just the tasks that I have for my role, but how can I help assist in other areas? How can I think about 
bring innovation or evaluation, or maybe I hear about this thing and I think it's really exciting and relevant and bringing it kind of into your organization and feeling more a part of the whole organization and not just your specific place in it. And to that end too, don't just look at necessarily in the Jewish world. I feel so we have blinders on that, you know, when you're looking for resources, a lot of times we just stay within our own and there's so much other great resources outside that others, especially, you know, in education, there's, you know, areas of education that we can be looking at. It doesn't necessarily just be Jewish education or planning, you know, thousands of organizations, even for-profits do planning work. So it's kind of getting out of our own way sometimes, I think. And I think for staff to, you know, it's okay to network. It's okay also, like, if you go to grad school, you get another degree, bring what your learnings from there and figure out how to apply it to. Oftentimes when we go to work, we kind of just get into a bubble and to pop that bubble and really start to kind of see the world around us and how we can bring other areas of our life to our work, our work to other areas of our life with also, you know, a positive attitude and humbleness, not saying to go out and, you know, overstretch your role by any means or overstepping onto other people's roles, but figuring out more collaboratively, you know, how we can improve. You know, I think of the work that I'm doing right now. This is going to impact my future kids. We just had a baby girl, and I want to know that the Jewish world is going to be bright for her in whatever way that looks. So how does it look? How does the future evaluation of this network to the extent that you can share now that you are part of this effort to bring this into the light to help organizations understand evaluation in a multitude of different ways that can be most helpful, not just at the end, but through the whole process of the work we do? What's the future? What's coming up? What's exciting about it? I think it's just making better decisions. You know, the Jewish world is very fortunate and very blessed to have lots of resources and lots of financial means. And to take those and to be more productive in how we think about allocating those resources so that the next generation is excited to be Jewish or participate in Jewishness, whatever that means to them, us not defining it for them, but that they are able to create their own meaning, their own communities that they're excited to be a part of and not just us telling them what they should be excited about. Yeah, we're definitely turning into more of a bottom up than a top down, right? We've got a lot of niche organizations in the field that are saying, well, I want to do this, or I want to see this program happen, or I'm an entrepreneur and I want this, as opposed to the overarching legacy organization or any organization saying, this is what you want. You know, how about this? Yeah, let, me, let me give this to you. And, and we, we're pretty sure that this is what you want, but really changing the, the control and the power from the organized Jewish professionals to you know, people who are on the ground of what they actually want to see and what kind of communities they want to be involved with. And sometimes that means sunsetting things that we thought would be around forever (laughs) or that we think there's a lot of value in, but that maybe, you know, future generations don't see that. So, you know, obviously evaluation leads to change. How are you kind of seeing all that? I'd say that it's still in the beginning stages and we have a long way to go, but there's so many great programs out there that are really targeting niche groups like Honeymoon Israel, for example, is very new. It's a grassroots organization now. It's huge. Targeting interfaith couples and bringing them to Israel. My husband and I participated on that. Fantastic program. Really created a community and kind of going out, being very clear on who their target populations are, what strategies to employ. And I think that now that they are creating a new type of community, and I'm sure there's others out there that are thinking in this way, 
and really bringing to life the entrepreneurial spirit in the Jewish world is so important. That's great. So I'm going to turn it back to you. As you mentioned, you just had a new baby. Congratulations. Thank you. New baby girl. What's her name? Uh, Kaylee May. Uh, the May is after my grandfather and my husband's uncle, and Kaylee is after my grandfather's, I mean, uh, my husband's uh, grandmother. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So how do you do it? I mean, you have a job, you now have a bigger family. What are some tools that you employ to keep yourself sane? I have a fantastic team. I am so, so blessed. I really have fantastic colleagues who have really stepped up to help make sure that you know, the work gets done. And I've had the kind of flexibility to kind of the work-life balance. It's been great. It is definitely challenging, especially because I live in New Jersey and commute in and out of the city. So that in itself is a challenge on a daily basis. (laughs) But to me, again, I guess going back to what I had said earlier of that bigger picture, I know that the work I'm doing will make her life better. I really believe that. So Mm It makes it easier sometimes to do the work, even more so because it's not like I'm sacrificing her time and I'm just making sure that I still get my quality time, of course, you know, but I don't look at it as work. It's just part of the day. That perspective has made it easier kind of transitioning back. Yeah. Having a good team and good staff and good people around you really makes all the difference when it comes to life, whole life satisfaction, finding that purpose in the work that you do, especially for your daughter, I think it's a really great perception that it's not, you know, the time that you're spending away from her is not spent, not frivolous things, but, you know, that it's really spent doing work that you know will impact her in the future. That's beautiful. And I think it's also just from a personal standpoint for Jewish organizations to start getting better about maternity leave and flexibility. You have to trust your employees that if they're going to do the work, they're going to do the work, but giving them, you know, a little bit more In the past, it was, you know, come to work nine to five, clock in, clock out kind of, but we live in a different world now. And I think showing employees that is that family life is important and helping to work together to come to whatever that solution is for the work-life balance, but to be more open of having those conversations than just shutting them off, which I would have, you know, thought maybe a couple of years ago, it was more that realm, but that area is also starting to shift. And it's hard too. Maybe there'll be a whole new network for (laughs) work-life balance. But because you do have those people to take advantage of that, right? You know, if you have four weeks vacation, you know, suddenly that person's gone every Friday and Monday, and, you know, and they're not doing their work. So it's definitely a balance. But I think the community is starting to get it that everyone is unique. You know, I love answering emails at 1130 because I can get everything <laughs> done when I'm awake and it's done. Whereas it doesn't work for other people. They need those boundaries. We talked about this a little bit on previous episodes. It's so individual these days, right? Everything is very individual looking at that work-life balance as an individual thing, especially, again, when you have a commute that maybe takes three hours of your day out, what that kind of looks like for each person to be productive and healthy and that good stuff. It's working together. It's having open, productive conversations, being willing to have those conversations. Right. Great. So I'm going to have your information on our website for those who are interested in more information about the Jewish Evaluation Network how to get involved, what resources are available. But I'd love to hear any other thoughts you have either on your work at UJA, the Jewish Evaluation Network, or other pieces. I'm really excited to see the Jewish Evaluation Network continue to grow. We'd love to, you know, if anyone listening to this podcast would like to join, we'll definitely provide information. It's open to anyone. We have not done any promotion, really, or marketing or anything like that. It's purely been through word of mouth. 
So there is a lot of great resources, a great minds on the site. So you can post questions, ask. I think that, you know, the more people we can get part of the network that are, you know, trying to make some changes within their own organizations, the better. I think the future is very bright for where the Jewish world's going and how they're starting to think about, you know, how they can evaluate their work and make better decisions. Absolutely. We'll we'll have to think of what the best job title is for every federation to have their own evaluator in-house to really help look at the impact of what they're doing and what that really means. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for your time and being on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me here today. The work that Jen is doing to help bring together Jewish professionals in creating a network around evaluation really seems to be the theme of our time. How do we bring people together who are doing similar work to support one another, to share ideas, and to help everyone do their work better? It's very difficult to provide programs and services to your population without having a way to be able to evaluate the effectiveness of those programs. Equally, it is difficult to share your message and story with donors or possible funders if you don't have this story of evaluation. And sometimes it's not just numbers of people who attended. It's stories of how the work, how the program impacted individuals, how somebody might have left with a new idea or how your work is changing the environment around you. Learning from others about how they do evaluation and how they use the tools available to create these metrics can really help our community better tell its story. I want to give a final shout out and thank you to the Jewish Theological Seminary for their partnership over these last few months. JTS has a variety of interesting and exciting new projects that they are spearheading, and I'm excited that I was able to bring some of those programs to my listeners. If you're interested in anything that JTS has to offer when it comes to furthering your own Jewish professional career, not only can you visit them at their website, www.jtsa.edu slash admissions. You can also find people to connect with by going to my website and finding their partner page. So thank you one more time to Jewish Theological Seminary and their support of this project. We are also excited to announce some new funding coming from the Jim Joseph Foundation, which will help support production in the 2018 year. If you've been involved in the Jewish community in any way over the last 10 years, you will know the impact the Jim Joseph Foundation has had in the area of Jewish education and beyond. We are humbly grateful for their confidence and support. Our editor is Nick Bowden of Bowden Sound, and our fiscal sponsor is Jewish Creativity International. You can find previous episodes, guest bios, book recommendations, partner information, and more on our website. It's whoyouknowthepodcast.com. This is your host, Michelle W. Malkin. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful week. Like this episode? Have a comment or a great suggestion for our next interview? Contact us through our website at itswhoyouknowthepodcast.com or on the It's Who You Know Facebook page. As always, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that others can find us. It's Who You Know, the podcast.